0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Thanks for listening to the For the Campus podcast, where each week we sit down and have discussions about Christian faithfulness in the college campus. To learn more about City Church Tallahassee and our ministries, head to citychurchtallahassee.com.
1: Well, hey guys, once again, welcome to City Church U. I'm glad that you guys are making this a regular part of your week. I'm also hearing great things about our city group. Uh, If you're new here, we would love for you to stop by our Connect Desk after the service, and we'd like to help get you some more information about what it looks like to get connected here at City Church and to be a part of our college ministry, City Church U., We have the tuesday night gatherings we have sunday morning gatherings but uh, we also have city groups and that's a great opportunity for you to get connected with other students to study scripture but also to build relationships meaningful relationships that lord willing for years and years and years to come you would have brothers and sisters in christ uh, that you can call hang out with check in and on and just be able to encourage each other in the christian faith so we would love for you guys to get information about that if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Philippians 1. We're going to start in verse 21 tonight. And what we've been doing the past couple weeks is just working our way through the letter of Philippians. If you're new here, we would love for you to go check out our podcast called For the Campus. Uh, it's on iTunes and Spotify, and you can catch up to the sermons on there. Uh, but what we're seeing in the, the letter, the Paul's letter in Philippians here, is he opens with a prayer. He gives thanks. He has remembrance and joy and confidence He prays that their love would grow in knowledge and discernment. And we talked about uh, two weeks ago how in order for us to love people well, we have to have knowledge. We have to be able to discern what that looks like, to actually practically love people and live that out. And then last week, Paul wrote about the preeminence of the gospel over all of his life. We see this dedication that Paul has for the gospel to go out, regardless of whether he's being persecuted regardless of personal conflict that he might have with others. His mind, his mentality is focused on the mission of the gospel going out. And then we uh, are going to kind of pop in today in the text here and see how Paul thinks about his life and how he thinks about death. And in order for us to kind of get us Uh, up to context here. I'm going to start in verse 18 and then work us into the passages we're studying tonight, 21 through 23. He says, "'What does it matter? Only in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything.' But that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or death. And then in our passages tonight, we're going to get to see what Paul means by that. verse 21, he begins, he says, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. There's two important questions that we're going to look at tonight that Paul asks us in this verse. I think the verse asks of our lives. The first one is this, what do you live for? What do you live for? And the second one is how do you view death? And as lofty and abstract and Strange as those questions may be, they seem like late night banter at a coffee shop for many. What we'll realize is this, that the answer to how we view the purpose of life, the answer to how we view death actually works its way out in every area of our life. The decisions we make, the way we respond to things, even the thoughts and desires we have. All of this is tied together. So here's the first question, what do you live for? Or maybe we could ask it this way, what is the meaning of life? So much in art and culture seeks to answer this question. TV shows, books, novels, magazine, articles, discussions. I think about The Lion King with the theme, Circle of Life. Some of you guys got that stuck in your, your head now. I've had it stuck all day. I think about the popular Netflix series that was... Controversial, but covered some of these topics 13 Reasons Why. Think about the cultural philosopher Drake, who once said YOLO, which ironically is a, a phrase that no longer lives today. <laughs> well, the list could go on and on. We could talk about art and culture speaking to the meaning of life, but if we had to boil it down to a few common answers, a few larger presentations, here's what we would be told we should live for. One group would say we should live for ourselves. We should live for ourselves, enjoy what you can. If your desire is financial success, then do everything you can to get money, to save money, to earn money, to make interest. Or maybe to live for ourselves means popularity. Let's influence as many people, let's let's be as famous as possible. Or maybe just success, to leave a legacy in business or comfort or security. A lot of people would say the meaning of life is just to enjoy it, enjoy it for yourself. Whatever that means for you, live it out. Other people might seem more noble. They might say, well, what do you live for? You live for others, where we are all we have. It's our job to make things just a little bit better and a little bit better and to keep building on and adding progress. And not that that's bad, but that's not the central focus of our lives, It's not what Paul is pointing us to. Just to make things a little bit better. Just try to do things a little bit better than the last people. Some people would say nothing. There's no real meaning in life. We're just here. No purpose, no significance, no meaning. But Paul says, to me, I live for Christ. I live for Christ, not myself, not just for others, Not for nothing, with no purpose. Ultimately, the greatest purpose of my life, the center of my life, is Christ. And he's going to explain more about what that means in the verses to come. But this is the countercultural nature of the gospel. You've probably been on a college campus long enough to realize how many people are telling you that all of life is just about you, about what you want to do, what you want to become, what you want to accomplish, And not that it's bad to accomplish things, not that it's bad to do things, but is there more to life than just our paper resume, our bank accounts, the experiences we have, the places we go? This is the counter-cultural nature of the gospel. For me to live is Christ. I don't know if you've noticed in the past 10 years the recent phenomenon in restaurants of the, the Build Your Own. So you got your build-your-own poke bowl, build-your-own pizza, build-your-own hamburger, build-your-own macaroni and cheese. Everything's build-your-own, and people love this, right? Like, I'm sure many of you guys enjoy going to places where you get to be the chef. I like to trust the chef. I like those things to be curated by people who've received training. But a lot of you guys like the build-your-own kind of restaurant theme. Now, this is a a, a history lesson right here, but there was a cutting-edge restaurant, at the, the forefront of culinary elitism that focused on a build-your-own style called Subway. Maybe you've heard of it. No, 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 man. No, my build-your-own, you go through a line, you tell them what you want in the burrito or in the, the Subway, right? <laughs> They've been doing this for years. I, I kind of feel bad for them, right? They don't get the recognition that they deserve. But here's the reality. What happens is a lot of us treat Christ, treat our faith as if we're just going through a build your own burrito line, right? I'll have a little bit of Christ. That's going to be the base. Have a little bit of worldly fun, a little bit of travel, a little bit of success. We're going to just mix all these things together and there'll be some Jesus in there. But what Paul is saying is this, Christ is over all of my life. He's not mixed in. He's not added in. He's not some sort of accent in my life. Christ has given me a new life. He's purchased my life. He is the purpose of my life. He's the meaning of my life. Now, once again, that doesn't mean that we don't pursue careers, we don't start families, that we are financially foolish, but it does change the way that we view the question, what do you live for? And Paul says, for me, I live for Christ. The second question is, how do you view death? How do you view death? This is really relevant today because In an era with COVID and just media continually sharing and sharing tons of information, we have access to so much more information than people have ever had before. And there's pros to that and there's cons to that. But we live in a world that is, for the most part, pretty dominated by fear. People tend to wrestle with their morality or mortality, I mean. The mortality, the, the, the fragility that we have as humans. And we tend to kind of handle this on two different sides of the spectrum when it comes to thinking about death. One side of the spectrum is constantly pushing the idea away. I don't want to think about it. Let's not worry about it. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I take forever to update my apps and my software on my computer. So on a daily basis, I have this little thing pop up on my computer that says, time to update your software, and I always hit this button, remind me tomorrow. I've been doing this for like years now. (laughs) Remind me next year, Apple. It's fine. It's working fine for me. That's how a lot of us treat the idea of death, right? Like, remind me tomorrow. Think about it tomorrow. You know, I'll push it away, sweep it under the rug. I don't want to think about it. Let's think about something else. But then on the other side of the spectrum, some of us tend to kind of dwell on it. It haunts us, consumes us. And it doesn't always just jump up at us like in every single ghost show where people are going through houses and they're real jumpy and things are popping up and moving. The truth is the way that death for many of us kind of haunts our minds, more so lurks and drones in the background, causing anxiety and confusion, it's kind of the two spectrums of wrestling with death just push it away never think about it just pretend like it doesn't exist or man it's always on my mind weighing me down making me anxious so what does paul mean here when he says dying is gain it's a pretty popular verse but can we admit at face value it's a little dark it seems dark to say dying is gain well he means that death no longer lurks with him because he knows the one who has defeated the grave He knows the one who has defeated the grave. I've only done a handful of funerals. Most of the people that I've worked with during my time in ministry have been younger, but I was doing a a funeral recently for a family friend who had passed away, and it's amazing to me how much scripture comes to life in times of trials and struggles. One of the passages that people often grab to and find hope in is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He's writing to the church in Corinth who, just like you and I, wrestling with their mortality. And he, after talking about the, the victory of the resurrection in Christ, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 58. you probably heard of it before. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Whose victory Christ victory. When? In the cross and resurrection. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Wrestling with mortality, wrestling with death has happened for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And what Paul is saying in this passage is that in Christ we have victory, because the one who died on the cross in our place and the one who resurrected three days later, defeating death, has given us hope. And the reason that we have hope is not because we can do enough good things in our life to somehow cancel out the bad. The reason that we have hope is not that we can enjoy a lot of things before we die. The reason that we have hope is because Christ has defeated death. And Paul was somebody who had wrestled with this as well and has grasped it and has found his hope in Jesus Christ. So he's saying that Christ makes sense of all of this. He's the answer to life, he's the answer to death. He's the purpose of our life while we live and he's the prize of our life after we die. These are the thoughts going through Paul's mind as he writes the letters of Philippi- letter of Philippians in a Roman jail cell, almost certain of his coming death. One of the things that I do with my family is we work our way through the New City Catechism, which is just questions and answers about, about life in scripture and the opening uh, question, which my four-year-old, she's memorized the first, first 10. She likes to sing them. They have songs that they can sing. The first question of the New City Catechism is this. What is our only hope in life and death? The answer is that we are not our own, but belong to God. Hearing my four-year-old sing that is one of the most beautiful things. Long before she understands even the, the depth of what is the purpose of life, Or the weight of the fact that we all face death. Before she even wrestles with those things, she's getting to learn that her hope is that we belong to God. This is what Paul means later in Philippians, which we'll get to, where he says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I belong to him. He's my hope. He's my life. And even in my death, he's over it all. One of the things when I was studying this passage that was pointed out to me that I thought was interesting is that when it talks about to live is Christ and to die is gain, that in the original Greek, the verb is is not in there. It's a little bit more abrupt than that. It's more like Christ living, dying gain. One commentator said it's almost like from a, a writing standpoint, poetically, Paul is giving us a mantra, a heartbeat, a heartbeat almost like a drum repetition sound, Christ living, dying, gain, Christ living, dying, gain. See, Paul's not just telling this to the church of Philippi. He's reminding himself of this as well. Christ is over my life and Christ is the hope in my death. Have you noticed how we're often drawn towards causes? Because I think the reason we're so drawn towards causes is because we want our life and we want our time to count. We want to do meaningful things. We want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We don't just want to just be around and leave no legacy at all, make no impact in a positive way. So, So many people in our world and so many people in our culture are drawn towards trying to participate in things that they feel like are bigger than themselves. Now, the reality is that as admirable as this is, this often never goes beyond the brands that we buy or the voting boxes that we check. Or maybe some occasional time that we volunteer. Not that those things are bad. But that's usually the extent of, in our minds, what it means to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. But Paul lived for something greater than his life. And he believed in it more than just the things he purchased, the decisions he made, the voting boxes he checked, the, time, the volunteer time that he gave he wanted to give all of his life to this thing that he saw greater than himself, Jesus Christ. Christ is my life. Here's what it means, kind of played out in the life of Paul. And we're going to see this in the following verses. One, there's no sacrifice too big. There's no sacrifice too big. See, for Paul, he's, if Christ is my life, if he's purchased me, then there's no, there's no above and beyond I can go. Everything I can give is to him. But also, there's no task too small. There's nothing beneath him. He'll serve Christ. He'll serve the church in in any way that he can because nothing's too lowly. In a discussion I was having earlier today with some of our staff, we were talking about how we live in a self-esteem culture. It's always about elevating our view of ourselves. In Christian humility, C.S. Lewis once said, it's not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. It's not devaluing yourself because you're made in the image of God and you're loved by Christ. But it's learning how to value other people more. It's learning how to value the work of the Lord more. No task is too small. Once again, Paul, this is a countercultural thing where he's saying, Christ is my life, so I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to give it to him. Now, what, is, what does he mean by that? What does it look like? Well, look what he says next in verse 24. After thinking through that, he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake, writing to the church of Philippi, real people in a real place. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. See, Paul loved, once again, Paul loved the church of Philippi these brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul's not just writing like a blog and just sending it out to everybody in general. He's writing in this moment to real people in a real city that he loved. He says, I long to be with Christ because I know the joy and the prize that I have in him. But yet I know that Christ has called me to a work. I know that Christ desires for me to invest and care in you. Paul loved the local church, God's people, and not just in a broad sense, some sort of generality, but in a local specific sense, Paul loved the church of Philippi, the people of Philippi, the city of Philippi. I heard it said once, I thought it was helpful that sometimes loving everyone in general can cover up not loving people in particular. Have you noticed that? It's easier for us to love big, general groups of people than sometimes it is just to love individuals, people in particular. It can be challenging. Of course, Paul loved the church in a broad sense, but he also loved the church in a narrow sense, loved the people of Philippi who made up the church of Philippi. To not love the individual, to not love in the narrow sense, doesn't make any sense with the big sense. It's like saying, I love the forest, I just don't want to be around a tree, right? You don't love the forest. Well, I love the idea of the forest, I just don't want to get dirty. Paul's loving these individuals, and it's hard to live this out, but he saw his life as a gift to the church. You cannot understand Paul. You cannot understand the letter to the church of Philippi Philippi, if you don't understand that Paul saw his life as a gift to the church. And here's where this just comes right in our face, mine included. We've been so conditioned to think the opposite, to think that the church is always about what it gives us rather than thinking about how our life can be a gift to the church. What programs, what trips, what opportunities what courses, what snacks tonight. And not those things are bad, but oftentimes when we think about the church, we just think, what is it going to do for me? But here is Paul, a mature Christian in Christ, saying, the only reason I desire to live is because I see my life as a gift to you, Church of Philippi. Do you see how counter-culture that is? you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down because I think this is the the thrust that Paul's giving us in these verses 24 through 26. A life of investing in others for the glory of God. What do I want for college students at City Church? This. A life of investing in others for the glory of God. One of the things that we say when we're planning and trying to put together things at City Church U is that we want to build great church members. What we mean by that is we want to see young men and women grow in their maturity, grow in their love for the Lord, and wherever God brings them next to different cities and countries and continents, that they would be a people who love the Lord and that they would be great church members. Not because it fills a room with numbers, but because of how it impacts the lives of others because great church members put others first. They're great friends and mothers and fathers. They're great evangelists who share the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're great counselors when friends need help. They put others uh, before themselves. This is a continuation of what Paul is saying, to live is Christ. He doesn't just mean to live is Christ. So I'm going to go around singing hymns and posting Bible verses and not really participating in any individual's lives, but saying positive things about Christianity in whole. He means living it out with people. In this instance in particular, the church of Philippi. This involves loving and serving Christ's bride, the church. So what did Paul have in mind? Last, last thing I want to look, look at tonight is this. What does it look like for him to, to invest in them? Well, one, he says to remain and continue for others. To remain and continue for others. He says that right there, verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. If you ever wonder where I get, get these points from, just right there in the text. To remain. I think that this is a lost gift or a lost art. One of the most discouraging things for me in in ministry has just been how little commitment people have to remain. When things get hard, when things get busy, when people meet someone, just truthfully the ability to remain, it it has really gone away. I think we've lost that art. We need to rediscover that, to, to, to desire to continue, to push on, even when things are challenging. Even when things are busy, even when there's obstacles. Paul had a huge obstacle. He had the obstacle of distance before the internet and phones. He had the obstacle of imprisonment. But yet he desired to remain, to push through for their sake. Also to see and desire the progress in joy and the faith of others. It is important our relationship with Christ. It is important that we know the word. It is important that we pray to the Lord. It is important that we do these things as individuals, but it's also important that we care about others, their joy, their desire, their faith. One of the greatest blessings of being in Christ is the community that comes with it, the family. And so we're not just thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about how can I help my brother or sister in Christ grow in his desire, grow in her joy. And when we make that the question, it really changes the way that we live a lot of things out. When rather than can I do this, can't I do this, should I do this, should I not do this, asking what is best for my brother or sister in Christ? What is best for their desires? What is best for their holiness? What is best for their relationship with Christ? Is the way that I'm conducting myself with this person best for their spiritual growth and holiness? So Paul wants to see them Remain, continue for your progress and joy in the faith. I want to see you grow. I want to see you become like Jesus. And lastly, to lead others, boasting in the Lord may abound. To lead others so that boasting in the Lord may abound. All of this is to the glory of God. Even the way that we care for others or lead for others, some of you in this room are incredibly, incredibly gifted people. You have great ideas you're smart, you're intelligent, you're creative. Some of you are just great at being someone who can just make people feel comfortable. You're good at listening, being a friend. We all have different giftings. We all have different amounts of giftings, scripture says, but we all have the same purpose. We all have the same value and we all have the same purpose. And our purpose is to glorify the Lord in the way that we live our life. And a big part of that, and we can see this all throughout the letter of Philippi, is serving and loving others. I want to encourage you to think about that, to actually spend some time thinking about what does it look like for me to live a life like this today? At City Church in Tallahassee, on the campus of TCC, FAMU, Florida State, whatever campus you're a part of, to lead others, to invest in others for the glory of the Lord. We're gonna continue in our service tonight with another song and then we'll give you some more information. But before we go on, let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to gather together tonight and to study your word. And Father, we pray that as we continue to work through the book of Philippians, Father, that you would work in us to help us to have an attitude that looks more like what you call us to in this beautiful scripture. Father, I pray that you would help us to see that our life is a gift that should be given to others for you. Father, I pray that we'd be people who recognize your victory over death. And we don't live in fear, but we live in a way that's intentional and meaningful for you. I'm grateful for these students, Father, how you've loved them and called them and brought them to be a part of this family. And we pray that you would continue to raise them up on our campuses here in Tallahassee. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks again for listening to the For the Campus podcast. If this podcast was helpful for you, please take time to share it with others. Also, feel free to reach out to us online. Have a great day.